Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Again, or good afternoon or good evening, depending on when you're listening to this episode of Mornings with Carbon on the Faith Radio Network. Um, thank you to everybody, including me in your day. I genuinely appreciate it. So um, for those of you who heard the end of the last hour, we're talking about how God is on the move in many mighty ways. David in North Dakota says, I fully believe God is on the move. Just recently met two men in their 20s who have said yes to Jesus, and it's so refreshing. Um, Thank you, David, for that uh, report from the field in North Dakota. If you want to text me how God is on the move in your family, in your community, in your sphere of influence, where you see God on the move today, I'd love to hear that. You can text me at 877-933-2484. Anne says in her Uh, eyewitness testimony of how God is on the move. One of our prodigals received prayers several months ago and was released from an evil spirit and has become a Christ follower. And then a series of emojis, praying hands, heart, uh, celebratory horns, smiley face, heart, and exploding heart. Yes, there you go. Fantastic. Um, Thank you so much. Uh, Another friend um, is talking here about um, how the Holy Spirit prompted uh, her to say hello to her neighbor who thinks, oh, I don't think she appreciates us because of our dogs. She's fearful of dogs, and I think the dogs know that. So I'm sometimes uncertain how my hello might be received. But yesterday, my hello led to a 20-minute sharing that she'd had a day that brought her to tears at work. And she shared all the ways that she'd been struggling, and God gave me the gift to be able to listen and affirm her, and I'm so encouraged. I'm going to say hi more often, despite my barky dogs. Um, amen. God is good. God is on the move. God had you in that conversation on purpose and for a purpose. Thank you so much for not missing that divine appointment that God set. Um, Thank you for allowing the Holy Spirit to move through you toward another person and not away from them. Lean in today. Lean in to your gospel calling today. You know, if you've ever responded to the, you know, uh, whom shall I send question, and you've raised your hand and you said, here am I, Lord, send me, then recognize that that's exactly what he's doing today. God is on the move in many mighty ways, and the way God moves is by the inspiration and power of his Holy Spirit through his deployed people. That's you and me, the ambassadors of the king and the kingdom, agents of grace, ministers of reconciliation. That is who we are. Let us be on the move on behalf of the Lord our God this day. So we've got uh, a great lineup during this hour. Adam Holtz is here from Focus on the Families Plugged In. We're going to talk about a number of culture uh, headlines, and we're going to lead off, as we always do, with a few reviews, including Chippendales, Rescuer Rangers. Just call. 
All right. Adam Holtz is here from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Carmen. How are you this morning? I'm I'm fantastic. God is on the move. I don't know if you've heard that yet, but God is on the move in many mighty ways, and we are his people, and it's an exciting day and a wonderful opportunity to advance the gospel. So there you go. Let's hear some reviews. Let's start with yep. uh let's start with Downton Abbey, which a lot of people seem to care a lot about. Yeah, you know, Downton Abbey is a, a beloved PBS show that ran for six seasons. There was a movie three years ago. This is the second movie. Uh, if you, uh, you know, there's two kinds of people, people who are huge fans and probably people who don't know and don't care. And if you're a fan, you've probably already got your ticket and you're not going to be disappointed. I mean, this is this is vintage Downton Abbey. Uh, the story here revolves around a Hollywood film crew coming to shoot at the famous old British estate uh, and a longtime secret that is being revealed and or not. I mean, there's there could be red herrings here uh, that uh, affect the many relationships here. <clears throat> this I think the, the popularity of this series has to do with really rich characters, uh, both literally and figuratively. Obviously, you have some wealthy British nobles and all of the servants who work in and around them. You know, it's it's kind of like Dynasty minus 100 years and not, actually not as tawdry. So if you're a fan, you know what to expect here. Yeah. All right. So how about um, Chippendale's Rescuer Rangers? I'm assuming this so, is animated. <laughs> it's uh, it's hybrid, actually. It's animated and live Interesting. action. Interesting. Um, and it is a very, very meta cartoon that has tons of winks and nods for parents who might have watched the uh, the animated show 30 years ago, Rescue Rangers. Chippendale are 30 years older. They've actually aged them here. And they're kind of on the outs with each other, but they have to come together to rescue a friend who has a cheese problem and gets in with the cheese kingpin in a bad way. Cheese, of course, being a sort of substitute for drugs here. And there are all sorts of really funny cheese jokes. Uh, this is a surprisingly funny movie. Uh, it's got... Some inappropriate stuff here and there. We get the real Chippendale dancers at one point, which I certainly could have done without. It's not enough to ruin the movie, but there's enough of those sort of jokes here that parents will want to read our full review before you buy tickets for this one. But it's also a movie that I think uh, a lot of the asides for parents are not naughty, but they're definitely culturally aware. And so it's a pretty fun movie. It's a fun movie, but it's got some um, it's got some things it's got in some it that parents... Yeah, it's got some stuff. You're going to want to be aware of that. So read the uh, full review um, online at PluggedIn.com. All right, Adam, I've been waiting all week uh, to ask someone about this because I know little about it, but the world seems totally obsessed with what's going on in a courtroom and unfolding on court TV related to Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. And everything I have heard about it has led me to ask three questions. Um, Why so much excess and hubris and self-righteousness on full display? And why do we seem to be voraciously consuming it? What does all of this say about the sanctity of marriage? And and why are we so casual about uh, claims of abuse? Like, there you go. There's my, that's my take on what's going on. Well, that, there's a lot going on in those questions. I'm not even sure 
where to start. Let me start at maybe the 30,000 foot level. Uh, honestly, this reminds me in a very, very broad way of the circus of the O.J. Simpson trial. Now, mm. obviously, murder and domestic abuse are different orders of magnitude. Um, but here we have, I think, kind of a perfect media storm in that you have Johnny Depp, who, regardless of what you think about him, has been a pretty big star for, you know, 40 years, uh, and his, you know, much younger, beautiful wife. And frankly, you only have to watch about five minutes of this to come to the conclusion that they're both kind of crazy. And I mean, I'm using mm -hmm. that that phrase. Um, I'm really not trying to be mean spirited, but here you have privileged, wealthy, dysfunctional people who at the very, very least have both treated each other horrifically. And you have the peeling back of the, you know, it's sort of, the, I think it, it taps into our voyeuristic impulse to, you know, dirty laundry has always been a thing in the tabloids, right? I mean, you can go back as far as celebrity goes back, uh, you know, you can go back into the 30s, you can go back to the kings and queens of England. Bad behavior has always been around. And we're fascinated with bad behavior. Edgar Allan Poe, called it the spirit of perverseness. Why do we want to look at something that's so broken and distorted? But but we rubberneck, right? And and this thing is it's like a horrific car accident on the freeway. We can't not look at it. And I say that, you know, obviously we can choose to not look at it, but there is a magnetic kind of appeal that I think appeals to really base instincts in us. Uh, and, you know, I've I'm part of the reform tradition, and this just feels like, you know, we've got complete depravity on display here. Uh, but, man, we can't get enough of, of that absolute depravity. And um, I think it speaks poorly of our culture, but it also speaks of the entertainment industrial complex that doesn't want to miss an opportunity to serve this kind of stuff up. Um, I had a friend who um, who just uh, asked a question related to um, Johnny Depp, and and <clears throat> all she did was made this list: um, Lori Ann Allison, Sherilyn Flynn, Jennifer Gray, <laughs> Winona yeah. Ryder, Ellen Barkin, uh, Kate Moss, Vanessa. I don't know how Par Paradis, Paradis, and then yeah. and then Amber Amber Heard, and and part of I mean I think that in, in the question what she's asking is why are we as Christians not talking about the goodness of God and monogamy and the giving of one person to another, um, for better for worse. Uh, in sickness and in health, for rich or for poor, till death do us part. That is not what is being talked about or elevated in this conversation. And maybe as Christians, that's what we need to be elevating every single time this conversation emerges in the culture today. So there's my right. two cents. Hey, Adam, we got to take a very brief break. When we yep. come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. I'm going to ask him about the Sports Illustrated uh, covers, plural, and defining beauty in the culture today. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. 
All right, continuing our conversation. You know, part of the reason, if you're wondering, um, why do we talk about what's going on in the culture? We talk about what's going on in the culture because millions and millions and millions of people are fixated on the things that are happening. And we are trying to apply the mind of Christ to the issues of the day. Um, And so how will you apply the mind of Christ to the conversations of the day um, if you're not prepared to engage in them? I recognize some of you texting in right now. Um, think it's a total waste of time. Yep, I get that. Other people, by the way, um, who are also listening, texting in with appreciation that we're talking about it because they want to know how to talk about it with their kids um, and with their neighbors and their friends. So range of folks um, uh, listening right now. Thank you each and every one for your input on the text line, 877-933-2484. Continuing our conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Um, Adam, another you know big story out this week is related to Sports Illustrated, um, the swimsuit edition, which, by the way, I have not seen any version of the cover. Um, but apparently there are many versions of the cover of Sports Illustrated, and some of those are um, leading to lots of cultural conversation in terms of the definition of beauty. What's going on here? Well, we have um, one model. A, uh, I'm not sure. I don't want to get in trouble here. Uh, can I call her a plus, plus size. size model? Plus size. That yeah, right, that's what right that place? is. That's that's the lingo. <laughs> um, yeah. Her name is Yumi New, uh, and she is on the cover uh, in a a pretty revealing swimsuit. And I think it's safe to say that if we're used to the you know stick thin models of Sports Illustrated swimsuit editions past, she doesn't look like that. Um, she, she is a plus size model. One of the other models is May Musk, Elon Musk's mother, who is 74. Um, and she's on the cover. Uh, and so uh, there is a lot of, um, conversation happening about sports illustrated's attempt to represent diversity. And of course, last year they had a transgender model on the cover. Um, and so this is not obviously a new thing. Uh, I have a couple of thoughts on it. I mean, I think the um, I think there's a part of me that wants to say um, saying that beauty doesn't have to look like a traditional supermodel is a good thing. Like that, the representation and the diversity are uh, an attempt to say we have lots of different things going on, and there are lots of different women who, you know, may be able to identify with one of these models when they never have before. I think the thing I want to come back to, though, is that it's still a very sexualized frame. It's like, can we celebrate people who don't meet typical or Hollywood or celebrity standards of beauty? Why does it have to be so sexualized? Uh, And so I think, on one hand, I think I would like to give them some credit. On the other hand, can we have a conversation about why the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition still exists in 2022. You know, after after Me Too and after all of these attempts to say, why are we sexualizing women? It, it still feels like this blatant throwback to the 1950s, you know, the pinup models. And nobody's having that conversation. Um, I uh, also, there's a, there's apparently an article in Shape magazine that um, that features a a woman who's not wearing anything. 
And so, you know, when you think about the the things that are not in brown paper covers um, right. on on newsstands, and when I say newsstands, I'm talking about like the grocery store grocery checkout store. section right. where your kid is in the buggy, right? And right. they're at eye level with the swimsuit issue of Sports Illustrated and um, magazines that are supposed to be like health oriented, but have become, right. um, they've essentially become purveyors of soft porn. There's no right. other, I mean, there's no other way to say it. And so um, in terms of protecting our kids and protecting ourselves, you know, we just have to say over and over and over again, the mental hooks that get set in the human mind um, by provocative imagery of the human form. Like, There's a reason we respond to the human form the way we do. Um, right. I mean, when when God presented Adam with Eve, he said, whoa, man, and that's why we're called woman. At least that's my theory. <laughs> so, right. I mean, there's a there is yep. something provocative about uh, about the human form, but there's also a place and a context for that. And um, and we have so sexualized everything in the culture, including yeah. health and wellness and, you know, and working out like right. and, and I mean, we're, working out is not it. it, it yeah. So it's a gross, sweaty mess. Like, right? I, why does Sports Illustrated have a swimsuit edition? That maybe is the best question of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, yeah, let's take a pause. I, I don't need it. And uh, I suspect lots of other families feel the same way. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So um, other headlines that you are following, the future of Netflix, um, streaming, uh, you know, streaming alternatives for families. Let's talk about that. You know, the whole streaming thing is really in flux, and Netflix has taken a hit because uh, theaters have come back, and there's all of this competition for eyeballs. And Netflix kind of had, if not a monopoly, something close to it for quite a while. But we have all kinds of other things now, and especially we could even throw Disney Plus in the mix with what's happening with Disney. There are a lot of families out there who may be looking for something else. And so this week we published a blog called When the Stream Runs Dry, some family-friendly alternatives to major streaming, excuse me, major streaming services. So we talked about PureFlix. We talked about Minnow, which you may not have even heard of before, Crackle, um, Redeem TV, uh, and Sight and Sound TV. So you can go to our blog. And um, yeah, I think it's a good time to say, Man, do we just have to take what the culture force feeds us, uh, or are there some other alternatives? And with that explosion of alternatives, Netflix is kind of in trouble right now, and people are saying, are they going to make the trip? Are they fundamentally going to have to transform their model? They're talking about adding advertising, and you know, it's funny to me that everything comes back to the mean. You know, you have to use advertising to pay for things. I'm like, well, that's just like television has always been. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, hey, can I make an assignment? I'd love to know everything there is to know about um, the Daily Wire's uh, forays into all kinds of media, not just yep. um, not just news. So can I can I put that on your radar? You can, and I mean I, they're right. they're branching out into creating a movie company and wanting to do conservative, yeah, and like fa- children's programming movies and children's yeah. programming too. Yep. Yep. So, all right, I'm just putting that on your radar. All right, that's Great. Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Anything that you want to know reviews of, games, albums, music, TV shows, what's streaming, what's on the big screen, they've got it all at PluggedIn.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. 
You recognize that music? Wait for it. Theme music for Chariots of Fire. Yeah, you remember that? Such a great musical score. We're playing it today in uh, honor and recognition of the composer, Vangelis. Uh, He has died at the age of 79. It's always an opportunity for us to talk about life and to talk about death, to talk about the contributions that we make to the world while we have the opportunity to do so, and the limited run each of us is going to have. Um, So as you maybe play a little Chariots of Fire music today in honor and memory of Greek composer Vangelis, you know, also take the opportunity to consider life and death and what happens after we die. So that was one of the questions that was posed to me uh, as a young person. Actually, it was a question I was dealing with as a young person when um, my young life leader, Kathy Connor, led me into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It changed my life. It changed um, who I am and how I live. Um, Changed everything. So shout out today to my young life leaders, Kathy and Fitz Connor. My Young Life friends from Plant High School, Wendy Gap and Pioneer Plunge. My Young Life mentors, Robert and Virginia Morris. My Young Life friend group from the University of Florida. Young Life uh, played an outsized role in my life uh, during high school and college. And so when I uh, turned to uh, a, a representative of a Young Life today in a conversation like we are about to have with Julie Clapp, who's the vice president of Young Life for Wildlife, which is a division of Young Life for middle schoolers, I do so with a fond affection for a ministry that has had an outsized impact in my own life. So Julie Clapp is up next. We're talking during this Mental Health Awareness Month about the mental health challenges among children and adolescents. And we're going to equip parents with three practical ways that adults can come alongside middle schoolers today. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. He put that hunger in your heart. He put that fire in your soul. His love is the reason. All right, we recently had Mary DeMuth on the show, um, and I now see on her blog that she has Young Life songs uh, streaming through her head from her days uh, in Young Life. And so for those of you who enjoyed our conversation with Mary DeMuth, you might want to Check that out. I got Young Life on the mind and heart this morning. Julie Clapp is here. She's the vice president of Wildlife, which is a division of Young Life focused on um, middle school students. And so, Julie, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I uh, I gave a shout out to my Young Life leaders from high school in Tampa, Kathy and Fitz Connor. I gave a shout out to my Young Life mentors, Robert and Virginia Morris, from my days at the University of Florida. Um, Young Life uh, figures largely in my experience of faith and introduction uh, to Christ as personal Lord and Savior. So I am forever grateful for the ministry of Young Life. Tell us about wildlife. And for those of you listening and looking for that, wildlife is not spelled in the traditional way. Wild is uh, got like the Young Life YL in it. W-Y-L-D, life, uh, is what you're looking for. So tell us about wildlife. Exactly. Thanks for clarifying the spelling. It does confuse people sometimes. But yes, we are all about introducing middle school kids 
to Jesus Christ and helping them grow in their faith. Young Life started as a high school ministry back in the 40s, and wildlife has a little bit of a murky history as far as it, when it actually got started, because basically across the country, people figured out that middle school kids we had an opportunity to share the gospel with them as well. And so in different places, in different seasons, it, it, it kind of flourished. And then now we actually have a name for it. And we have a lot of staff and volunteer leaders who just are passionate about spending time with middle school kids, building relationships with them, and getting to share the gospel and walk alongside them as they figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus. For those of us who... Um you know, may right now have teenagers in our lives. We might have college students in our lives. We might have grandchildren who are in elementary school in our lives. Um, but right now we don't have any middle schoolers in our lives. Introduce us to, um, you know, introduce us to some middle schoolers. Right. Well, you know, a lot of people, when I tell them that I work with middle school kids, the first response I get is you must be a saint uh, because I think people have memories of their own middle school experience as being awkward and hard and fill in the blank. There's a lot of words there. And a lot of that is true. Middle schoolers, it is just a really unique developmental age where they are trying to figure out who they are. They're stepping into independence, not quite sure what that looks like. They are concrete thinkers who are just beginning to think abstractly, uh, which for those of us who are adults, that can be really hard to understand because we've thought abstractly for so long that it's hard to put ourselves back at a time when that was something we were still learning how to do. So yeah, they are just surrounded by lots of people and things and messages that are trying to tell them who they are and they are trying to weed through that at the same time that their brains are developing, their bodies are developing. It is, there is a, there's a lot, a lot of change going on at this age. So let's talk um, about some practical ways that we can approach. I mean, you know, first of all, it's intimidating as an adult, you know, in my early fifties, it's intimidating to talk with uh, high school students. Like the gap is now so great. Um, I don't feel that same way towards elementary age kids, um, but middle schoolers, you know, are definitely moving into the fear zone for me. That sounds, I know that my listeners right now are thinking there's a group of people that scares Carmen. Um, So, you know, I I just recognize that, um, you know, even my attempts to find a place to start in conversation or make a connection is sometimes just so awkward, but they're in such an awkward place in life. Maybe I don't need to worry about that so much. You're kind of onto something there, Carmen. It it really is true. And obviously I'm generalizing. There will be exceptions across middle school, but really kind of one of the great ways we sum it up is this, is what middle school, what middle schoolers are asking is, do you like me? High schoolers are asking, do I like you? Hence the fear you're thinking about when you think about approaching a high schooler. But middle schools are still very much trying to figure out who likes me. And so that's where as adults who love Jesus, who care about people, we can really 
just listen to middle school kids. And that goes a long, long way because there are a lot of people who aren't listening to middle school kids. Even parents sometimes sort of feel like middle school is this phase that, oh, they're real cute in elementary school. And then they start being more like real people in high school. And hopefully they'll get through that awkward middle school phase real fast. And so just listening to a middle schooler is honestly one of the best things any of us can do, giving them a space to talk and share what they're thinking and what they're feeling. And sometimes those answers are really short, but listening to them is huge. So one of my tactics is not to ask a direct question about what they're watching or thinking or talking about, but to ask that question about their friends. Say, you know, I'm just like totally wondering what it's like, um, you know, to be in your in your friend group or, or in, you know, at your age, like you, your life is so different than mine was at your age. Can you just tell me, like, what's going on with your friends? Like, what what are you guys watching? What, um, you know, what are your friends talking about? Because then it, it's like it puts the conversation topic um, outside of us and puts it on, you know, quote unquote friends who aren't standing there at the moment, um, just as a, a a means of getting them to start talking um, about themselves without like a big shiny spotlight. Hey, let's talk about you. So um, help me with some other ideas to to sort of open up conversations and to demonstrate to a kid that I'm available. Yeah, you're you're onto something there, Carmen, because at one of the other big needs of a middle schooler, well, all of us have this need, but it's it's this is when they start to become kind of a little more aware of it themselves, is this need to feel safe. And that can be physical safety, that can be emotional safety. So by you asking the question, hey, what are your friends? What what are people watching? That, like you said, the spotlight's not quite on them, so that feels a little safer. So I think that is a great way to step into questions with middle schoolers. But And I like to ask, what do you think is, is, a, is a great way to ask a question that maybe there's not a right or wrong answer to something, but it gives them a little space to step into kind of giving their opinion um, when maybe they're just starting to figure out how to do that. So I like to ask, you know, what do you think about all the foods that they're going to serve at the state fair this year? I, I go to, I live in Texas. And so I love to talk about the state fair when I'm hanging out with middle school kids, because it's what we do in Dallas. And so instead of just saying, Hey, what's your favorite thing to do at the fair? Hey, what do you think about the different foods they're going to have this year? It lets them kind of be an expert in something then maybe they're not really an expert in. But again, that feels safe. That feels affirming to be able to ask them a question like that. And then I feel like, Julie, as an adult, I need to be, um, I just need to allow their answer to stand. Like, right? Not like, okay, well, that's a terrible answer. Like, I mean, you know, have you thought about the health value of that? Or, um, you know, you know, you're not treating your body as a holy temple. Uh, if you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, if you're, you know, eating that. I, right, like there's, part of this is, overcoming my own temptation to not only be right, but be sure that I'm projecting righteousness into the life of this middle schooler. That is going to shut down any future conversation. Like they're going to run away. Yes, absolutely. And and again, that goes with the relationship. And so if this is a first time conversation with a middle schooler, a hundred percent, let, let the answer stand. Wow. That's so interesting. 
I never thought about it like that. Obviously, if you're a parent or you're someone who has a long-term relationship, if you're a wildlife leader and you know a kid well, then maybe you have opportunities to step in. And again, maybe not say, hey, this is what I think or this is what's right, but ask some more discovery questions and give them an opportunity to maybe think about it from a different angle. And huh, I never thought about that before. This is also a huge age of discovery. So if we can, again, with that relationship behind us, not just out of the gate, but with that relationship, if we can give them an opportunity to discover by asking questions, that's also really great at this age. All right. One of the things that uh, Julie highlights in her uh, in her article at ChristianPost.com, which uh, I encourage you to check out, Why Preteens Need Adults More Than Ever, one of the books that she highlights is by our friend Kara Powell, Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager. So we're going to continue this conversation about how we as adult Christians um, can build relationships, frankly, with middle schoolers as a, a, as a means of beginning to walk with them from where they are in their journey of faith. More on this next with Wildlife's Julie Clapp next. Do you know a sixth grader, seventh grader, an eighth grader? Woo. Do you know that they're asking big questions about identity, belonging, and purpose, who they are, where they fit, what difference they make? Those are the three big questions that change every teenager. It's one of the books by Dr. Kara Powell. She's a friend of the of the show here on Mornings with Carmen. We're talking now with Julie Clapp, who references Kara's work in um, in her piece that's currently posted at Christian Post. Dot com. Why preteens need adults more than ever? Julie, um, just talk us through this. Uh, the the three things uh, in your article here: be available, be authentic, be affirming. Right. Well, again, middle school kids. It's going to feel like their life may be super busy. Again, they're seeking this independence. This is that age where their brains are wired to step independence. And so it may feel like, hey, I need to give them their space, but really they need us to be available. They need caring adults in their lives who are there, again, to listen, to be a shoulder to cry on, to cheer for them. They just need us to be available, even even when maybe it feels like they're stepping, pushing away that's normal. That That is just a part of the way God created us. Our brains are meant to help us start breaking away from parents, guardians, adults, adults at this age, but the reality is they still need us to be available. They, they are not there yet. So I would say, again, the first thing is be available. All right. So I'm going to be available, um, which, you know, is hard because life is busy, but kids matter. And, um, and so, you know, be available and then be authentic. Uh, I think there are sometimes we try to become somebody we think kids will like, and we need to just allow who we are to be the, you know, to be the person that a kid likes. Yes, we, we need to be ourselves. We don't need to put on a show. They need to see if we're parents or adults who are in relationships with them that we don't have it all together that we mess up sometimes and we're willing to acknowledge that. We need to acknowledge our dependence on the Lord, that again, we're, we're not figuring out things for ourselves. 
I think one of the things during the last couple of years, as I hang out with middle schoolers as a wildlife leader, I saw them look around at the world, everything from COVID to social injustice to just all of the chaos of the last two years. And there was kind of this sense of, hey, aren't you people the grownups? Shouldn't you have all of this figured out? Like, why aren't you fixing this? And there was just some confusion. And so, again, to be authentic and say, hey, I, I don't know all the answers, but let's figure out how to trust the Lord in this and move when he wants us to move and be still when he wants us to be still. But just acknowledging that we, we don't all have all the answers can also go a long way with the SAGE group. Mm. And then you encourage us to be affirming. Um, I think that the word affirming uh, has so many definitions in the culture today. So what do you mean when you're using that term? Yes, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning is that the question that middle school kids are asking is, do you like me? And what I want a middle school kid to know is not only do I like you, but I'm a reflection of the Lord who created you and likes you. And here's the thing. A lot of our kids who grow up maybe with a faith background, a Christian background, they might nod their heads and say, okay, I believe that God loves me. I've been hearing that since, you know, I could recognize words, but I think sometimes they wonder, does God actually like me? And so what can we do as adults to reflect a God who not only loves middle school kids, but he actually likes them. He delights in them. Okay, so I'm thinking here about Lisa Bevere's brand new book. It is, it's a, it's a 90-day devotional. It's totally on that topic of, um, of the things um, over which God just delights in us. It's called Fiercely Loved. I just recommend that for you and maybe your, um, your team, um, God's Wild Thoughts About You, Lisa Bevere. Um, because it, 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 like that, like that's what we need. We need to be equipped with the Bible passages that declare had just how wild God is about us. Because those are not the passages of Scripture that we spent a lot of time learning about. Right? We learned about um, all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. We learned about all the ways that um, you know God hates sin, and then therefore we really really think that he's really mad at us, but he really loves us so much. Um, and he delights over us and he sings over us. And um, so, so maybe that is an encouragement uh, to you, Julie, and those that you're laboring with um, as you just extend this wonderful ministry of grace to more and more um, adolescents and young teens. Uh, I just so appreciate it and um, want to thank you for being here with us today. Thank you so much, Carmen. And I'm going to check out that book. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So that's Julie Clapp. You can find her at younglife.org. Um, she is the vice president of Wildlife, which is Young Life's initiative for middle schoolers across the country. You can also access the article that we were discussing. It's at christianpost.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Friday Farm Report. It's pretty short. We need rain. Friday Farm Report. We need rain. Uh, no rain in the forecast, so going to require God to uh, show up in ways that are going to surprise meteorologists in middle America. 
Uh, but we need rain. We've got, you know, little seeds in the ground and in some places, tiny little uh, wisps of green popping up. But we haven't had any rain uh, in many days and um, it's getting dry and it's hot. And so the short Friday farm report is we need rain. Okay, now other things going on on the farm. So um, two nights ago, uh, I, I I woke up um, because Jim was where he isn't usually. So he was standing next to the bed on my side. Um, and the only reason that I woke up is because the dog, which sleeps on my side of the bed, bit him because she also thought he shouldn't be over there in the middle of the night. He was very graciously putting this beautiful bouquet of roses that he had just clipped out of our rose garden. He was setting them on my nightstand so that it'd be the first thing that I saw in the morning, which is this just beautiful, gracious act, right? It's just so loving and so kind. And then he got bit by the dog and screamed at by me because I obviously woke up and I was like, oh, who is that? What are you doing? So um, there you go. <laughs> no, no wonderful deed by Carmen's husband will go unpunished, at least by the dog. Um, so there you go. She didn't break the skin, but, you know, <clears throat> Sassy uh, was... None too pleased to be woken up in the middle of the night by a stranger on her side of the bed. Um, what else we got going on in the Friday Farm Report? I need some uh, cucumbers. So uh, I don't know. Everybody apparently got out there and got those little cucumber plants before we did. Um, so we've, we're ready to plant, and now I'm going to have to start them from seeds. I mean, fortunately, it doesn't take very long, but there you go. That's my dilemma. And I still need kale recipes because our kale is... Very productive, um, really big right now. So I might just have to make some kale chips this weekend. Kale chips is a super uh, easy way to use up a lot of kale pretty quickly. Also, if you're going to use kale in a salad, um, I have now found out you should chop it. You should put a little salt water on it, and then you should beat it a little bit. Like, yeah, just beat it a little bit to, to begin breaking it up before you try to serve it in a salad. There you go. That's uh, that's all the uh, farm report that's fit to print here in the afternoon or in the morning. I don't know. There'll be more in the afternoon, I'm sure. All right. Um, have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much for taking me along for the ride today and all that's going on in your life. Let us be faithful to God in the hours which lie ahead. Let's be sure that we glorify him. Take a minute to just ask yourself, like, why are there so many shades of green? God didn't have to make so many shades of green. It must delight him. So let, us de- let it delight us as well. Have a great weekend. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.